What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited that you joined me today because we have an incredible guest. Today, we have Tom Schwab, and I can't wait to tell you more about him, introduce you to him. Tom's experience with working with over 1,500 leading brands as the Chief Evangelist Officer at Interview Valet has led him to believe that instead of being just one funnel away, you might actually only be one conversation away from getting the big fish that you want. Guys, I'm so excited to share his story with you, to introduce you to him and share his wisdom with you guys. Let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Tom, welcome to the show. Michael, I am thrilled to be here. Thank you. Oh, man, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, you have done some incredible things for our business. And holy cow, it's just been indirectly so far, and I can't wait to further that along. But before we dig into all the cool things that you guys do, I can't wait to dig into your backstory and let people understand the winding road and crazy journey that you've had to get to this point where you're doing this. So let's start back as far as we can that, you know, that you think makes sense. And let's start digging through this, uh, this story and journey of yours. I was going to say this story only makes sense in the rear view mirror, right? <laughs> um, no, no. No entrepreneur's journey is a straight line. No, no choreography is a straight line from A to B. So no I was a Midwest kid. I'd never been more than a hundred miles away from home by the grace of God and a medical error. I got into the United States Naval Academy. So anybody <laughs> who's a taxpayer, thank you for paying for my education. I went on to run nuclear power plants in the Navy. Oh my gosh. Well, and th that's what, that's what people say, but it's really gave me a chance to think of systems and processes. And, you know, if you can teach somebody how to run a nuclear power plant, you can systematize businesses and, and do it safely and right. effectively. So I left there, went into corporate America. And <laughs> while I enjoyed that, um, I was not made to be an engineer. I was not to made, be made into corporate. Uh, so I went out and was selling, had a distributorship, uh, sold that back um, to the manufacturer, and then had a little sideline business. It was direct-to-consumer, durable medical equipment rental. HubSpot one time voted us the number two most unsexy thing to sell online, <laughs> right? But it... It really taught me how the world was working now, right? Inbound marketing, how, how to engage, attract, and delight customers. So built that business up, sold it off. Uh, and then about 2014, I started to think, I bet you could use podcast interviews just like we used to use guest blogs, right? right. Uh, tap into someone else's audience, give her the value, get that no like, and trust. So we started to test that. It worked really well. Uh, wrote a cheesy little book about it that I gave away for free. Somebody said, you should do a course. And you know, Michael, I never took the course out of beta 
because <laughs> nobody was using it. And the people that were honest said, I just want to be the guest. You take care of the rest. So we, nice. we beta tested a done for you service in 2015. Uh, that became interview valet. We've now grown to a team of 30 people in, uh, North America and Europe. And we serve, uh, High-level coaches, consultants, nonfiction authors, brands, people that are really trying to get out there and talk directly to their ideal customers so they can move them from being just a passive listener to an active visitor and ultimately an engaged customer. Oh, my gosh. What a journey. I mean, and had you done podcasting before you you started digging into that? No. And I... <laughs> I always had the idea of other people doing it. I mean, even to this day, I'm just starting my own podcast, but I've been on over 1500 podcast interviews. Oh um, but to me, it wasn't so much public speaking. It was just jumping on a zoom call, having an interesting right. conversation with someone uh, to me. It's not so much as an interview as it is a conversation, right? We're talking right. about the same things we would be if we were sitting down, you know, at a Denny's for breakfast or a bar uh, for a beer. I love that. And it's so valuable. I, I know when I started my podcasting journey, I think this is podcast number three for us. Um, and, you know, our first one, we just, I think we were flopping around like dead fish, you know, just trying to figure out all the ropes and, and things have changed so much, especially now with the pandemic uh, having happened and everybody getting used to and, and so familiar with things like Zoom. It's become so much easier to do uh, this platform than it ever has been. And, and so what a great vision and foresight. Like, I, I just, I can't quite comprehend how you had the vision to jump into podcasting at that time. Was there something that sparked the idea? I mean, what, what was it that really sort of blasted you off into this direction of podcasting? I think it's looking at myself, right? I've written a lot of blogs in my life. <clears throat> Every one of them seemed like a homework assignment. I am not a natural writer. <laughs> right. I are engineer at heart. Um, and to just talk was easy. Right. And then I realized, oh, you can transcribe, you, you can make blogs, you can repurpose it. And, you know, to me, I live in Southwest Michigan. Right. And, uh, my world can get really small right here. And I never wanted that to happen. So I was always reaching out to people, you know, uh, connecting, uh, talking with them. So to me, it was just natural um, to do this. And I think the other thing is that it's just more comfortable, right? right. You mentioned through COVID, we've all gotten used to, um, to Zoom. But even before that, I can remember going into a TV studio for an interview or a radio studio for an interview. And it was intimidating. Right. You've got lights, you've got clocks, all the rest of that. And for podcasts, you know, by and large, people are sitting in their homes or their offices. I'm very comfortable here. So it makes for an easy conversation, a powerful interview. I, I want to kind of jump towards the experience in the Navy and, and that time running the nuclear facility. I mean, the, the combination of those two things, you, you have to get systems and processes so dialed in because if you're going to teach some new young buck coming through the ranks that just learned this in, in a class with the rest of the Navy recruits, and then you're going to put something that is, you know, absolutely life and death in their hands. 
boy, you got to have some serious systems and processes. And we love that. I mean, we talk about choreography all the time. So I, I'd like to have you chat with us a little bit about the experience of going through learning about those systems and processes and then starting to use them yourself for your own advantage later on. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, as I look back on it, the average age of the person running a nuclear reactor in the United States Navy now is 22. Wow. And most of them, right. All the enlisted are, are the vast majority of them are high school educated. Wow. So you're talking about people that um, highly, they're very smart. They're very right. motivated. They're very uh, trainable. And right. if you think about it in our businesses too, if we just needed, you know, a, a PhD in rocket science to fill every job, we'd never be able to fill it. Right. So being able to train that, and I would say it's not only the systems and the processes, but it's also the culture that goes along with that sure. of following them of continual improvement, right? The reason that we were able to do what we, we did is because decades before mistakes had been made, right? And every time there was a mistake, you would learn from it. You would do the debrief and you would share that with everyone, you know, and it was okay to make a mistake once, just make sure it has never, ever been made before uh, in the Navy. So we all can learn from that. And I think the same thing with our business. Um, I often joke that I thought it was easier to run a nuclear reactor than it was to run a small business because <laughs> one of them didn't come with the uh, the instruction manual. Right. So we, we had to make it as we went. But to think we're not reinventing the wheel every time, right? What did we learn? How can we get better? And it's not just from top down, it's the team members. Let them one person teach the other. And the other thing that really struck me is people will rise to the level of expectation. So in the Navy, you know, we were expected to do this. Uh, you know, um, it was very uncommon if you'd look out at other 22 year olds that they would be doing that. But because we were expected of this, because we were trusted, uh, we rose to a higher level. And that's one of those things that I've seen in business where it's that fine line. You want to keep challenging people. You want to support them, uh, but you want to trust them too. Yeah. And that's, it's such an interesting place, especially with the new dynamics of the cultural paradigm shifting with AI and electronics. And I mean, I have a, a ton of uh, college age kids that, uh, have worked for me or have uh, come across my path and they are all talking about, Hey, why do I have to live in a location? Why can't I work remote? There are tons of remote jobs. And now people are starting to get the, the idea of it and it's really shrinking the world. I think that's incredible that that's the case. How have you, how have you in interview valet dealt with the remote jobs and how has that worked into the culture that you guys have created in your business and the expectations that you're able to set for them. Yeah, this was intentional because my last business was based in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It was brick and mortar. <clears throat> and <throat> I just looked at it and said, the world today, you can't say that I'm going to find all of the best people in the world and they're going to live a drivable distance. Right. Or you can't serve the world and say, hey, we're open nine to five East Coast time unless it snows. Right. It doesn't work. <laughs> So I wanted to find the best people where they were, you know, to me, work was always what you did, not where you go. 
but it doesn't work for everyone, right? One of the things when I'm hiring people, uh, I'll tell them, if you need to be managed, we're the wrong company for you, right? right. If you want somebody to look over your shoulder and micromanage you, that's not that's not what we do. I'm here to lead you, to, to resource you, to do whatever I can to make sure that you're successful. Um, and it's been great. Some people we have found really early on, some people thrive in that environment and some people really struggled in it. You know, they wanted to go back to the days of, you know, well, can't we just punch a clock? Can't we, <laughs> you know, all get together in the break room? And uh, it, there's different things we've done in order to build the culture. Uh, but it's great now. We've got people in Europe and North America. About half wow. of our team is military spouses. And wow. we even had, uh, we've got five team members that are bilingual. And nice. they came to me last year and said, well, how come we don't have interview ballet Espanol? And I'm like, well, because I don't speak Spanish. And they're like, but we do. We've got all the systems, the processes. Why don't we start serving the Spanish market? Because that's growing so fast. So um, right. uh, it, it's great to have those those great people, no matter where they are. And I know I couldn't have done that if I was just regional here. Yeah, for sure. Talk to me a little bit more about building culture and and doing that when so many of your uh, so many of your team are remote. Like, how have you gone about building that culture in that setting? Um. I wouldn't say it's all top down, right? Uh, you set the example, but today there's so many different ways to chat with people or connect with them, right? So jumping on a quick Zoom call with them. Uh, I, I love videos. So for me to just grab a, a quick video and send it out to the team, uh, to jump on chat and just to see how they're doing, things like that. And it's amazing because our workforce is very flexible. So they don't have to be working, you know, nine to five. So they're walk, working around different family issues. And it's great because somebody is always seems like awake, right? So if all of a sudden somebody in the Pacific time zone has a question, well, there might be somebody, uh, you know, in Europe that is working late and they jump on. So all of a sudden it's, it's almost like when you would run into somebody, on the way to the, the cafeteria or, you know, the restroom, that same thing happens. So as a junior person has a question and they put it out there, they might get uh, different people there. The other thing that uh, I'm doing this year, it's uh, last year um, I told my bride that my intention was to, uh, to meet every one of our team members. And my bride was so excited. She's like, when are we going to Europe? I'm like, I haven't figured that out, but I have intentionally now this year just gone to different places. And uh, the other uh, other week, I was in in Florida, and I drove three hours to see one of um, one of our team members up in Georgia, and nice. it was the best thing. Right? We sat there and you know uh, really connected, and so um, I think there's a, cool. a, a lot of different opportunities to do that. Wow! Uh, what a what a cool story. I feel like there's so much in what you just talked about. So everybody listening, go back and rewind that and listen to it again, because there's a, there's so much there to unpack in terms of understanding your your business and understanding your company and understanding that that you don't have to operate in the same old paradigms that business may be presented even five years ago, that you can really start to get out of the box and do some of the same things that, that Tom has done. 
let's dig into a little bit more about podcasting in, in specific. I, I want to kind of get your, your opinion about people starting podcasts. I know when I first jumped in, it was like somebody said, Oh, Michael, you need to do that. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't know. You know? And, and we finally shut that podcast down after about 380 episodes or I don't know, something crazy like that. So we ended up doing it for an age and it's just become something that, that I love to do. But when people hear, Oh, you should start a podcast. I, I can see this weight over them that they're like, Oh, I, I don't know. So I'd, I'd love to hear more about your opinion about that and about starting a podcast and, and talk to some of these business owners out there that don't have one. I would say that those people that say, Oh, the weight of a podcast, those are the smart ones, right? <laughs> the, the ones that say, yeah, let's start a podcast. And here's a fact, 80% of podcasts that die, die within the first 10 episodes. Wow. It's really easy to start a podcast. Um, it's hard to keep it going, right? That those first few episodes are fun. You get your friends there, but like anything else, it becomes a chore after a while, sure. right? With 380 episodes, there were, I'm sure, a lot of weeks where you didn't want to do it, right? Some family mm -hmm. crisis came up and you right. still had to do it, right? So I always tell people before they start, make the commitment to do it for at least a year. What you right. don't want is uh, to start and then it become a, an embarrassment when somebody asks you 90 days later, um, how's your podcast? And you're like, eh, it died. The other thing that I always ask people is like, well, why do you want to do a podcast? Right. And people sometimes will ask me, you know, should I be a podcast guest or a podcast host? And I'm like, well, it really depends on your goals. Right. It's like Uber. Should I be an Uber driver or an Uber passenger? Same platform, but totally different goals. So if you want to nurture current leads, if you want to nurture current clients, having your own podcast is a great way to do that. But if you're trying to go out there and get new exposure, new backlinks, new leads, then you've got to go into to new audiences. And that's really being a guest. Um, right. The idea of I will build it and they will come. Um that does that that hasn't worked in podcasting for at least a dozen years. And I don't know if it's ever worked for anything. Uh, right. You've got to go where the audience is. Right. Well, talk to me a little bit more about that other side of it, right? Obviously, you can build that podcast, like you said, but just because you build it doesn't mean they'll come. So what's been your experience in watching and helping so many others that that have their podcasts? Uh, be able to grow them and and be able to get an audience for it. Obviously, you talked about getting out there and getting exposure. So talk to us a little bit more about that side of it. As far as a podcast host that wants to grow their business, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the great things with that, I think, is promotion. And not only the promotion that you're doing, but the guest also. Right. And often people will, will say, I just want the big name guests, right? Well, Tony Robbins, every time he's got a new book comes out, he does a, a, a tour, right? On radio, he does some podcasts. He is a hardworking guy, right? And people think, oh, if I only had Gary Vaynerchuk or, or, or Tony Robbins on my podcast, everybody would hear about me. Well, the truth is he's doing 60 other podcasts that same day as yours or radio shows. The chances of them actually promoting it 
is probably slim to none. So really want to focus on what great stories can I bring that nobody else is hearing? You know, what guests can I bring on that I could help tap into their audience too? Right. One of the things that we do with all of our clients, uh, it's committed to um, committed to collaborative promotion. If they work with interview valet, they commit to us that they're going to promote the interviews. So you can think about it that if they start talking about your podcast in their audience, it's almost like that old uh, commercial and they told two friends and so on and so on. Uh, it can tend to be really organic, organic. And I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of money trying to promote their podcasts on Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of that. And I don't know that they've gotten a great return on investment of it because today, 51% of us adults listen to podcasts, right? Wow. If, if they don't listen to a podcast, they're probably not going to start just because of yours. Right. So a great way to get podcast listeners, I think it was uh, Cliff Ravenscraft probably a decade ago. He was known as the podcast answer man. He said the best place to find podcast listeners is listening to podcasts. <laughs> and he was so right. So just as a podcast host, you can go out there and guest on other people's show, sure. especially ones that could have a similar audience to yours. Sure. Well, I mean, that seems like a huge challenge. I know for maybe some in our audience, they're thinking, go get on other people's show. How in the world am I going to go do that? That must be a in, an incredible chore. However, I think that you've probably simplified the process and made it much easier. So tell us more about what you guys have done to make that more viable for people that are trying to get on shows. Yeah. And so first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to mention my book. I've wrote a book on this. I'm not trying to sell it. If you want to go to Amazon, you can get it there. If not, I, I'll, I'll make a page, uh, interviewvalet.com okay. forward, forward slash BC for, for business choreography. If you want a free copy, just go there and get it. Great. But really it's the idea of today. There's, you know, 4 million podcasts. There's about 400,000 that have gone live in the last 30 days, right. That right. are still active. So bigger is not always better. Better is better. So, <laughs> uh, and, you know, you could go on if you want to talk about business choreography, right? There could be a huge podcast on pregnancy, right? It would not be a great podcast for you, right? <laughs> right. It's like, it's like fishing in the ocean, um, you know, when you want freshwater fish, right? right. Um, it's, right. it's a huge ocean there, but the, you're not going to find them. So find first where your ideal customers would be. Ask your, ask your potential clients or your clients, what kind of podcast do you listen to? You know, look and say, what podcasts talk about what I'm doing, right? Uh, example that uh, I always used to use was pickleball, right? Uh, most of the t people wouldn't know what pickleball was, you know, um, especially years and years ago. But when I started to use that example, I think there was 12 pickleball podcasts, right? Oh so if you were a manufacturer of pickleball equipment, if you were a pickleball coach that had an online course, right, you could spend a fortune advertising that. And most people would go, what the heck is that? Or you could get on those podcasts, talk about it bring value and you would be talking to your ideal audience. And here's another great little trick, right? 
people say, well, you know, is there a mass list that I can email? No, don't, don't <laughs> spam anybody, right? Don't use the spam cannon. Uh, a, it's not effective. And just because you can do it efficiently doesn't make it more effective. Go on a podcast, bring great value, be there to serve. And at the end, you know, after you've talked to the podcast host, just say, you know, thank you so much. Is there anybody you're looking to interview? Is there any introductions I could make? Is there any podcasts that you know that you think I could be a great guest on? And podcast hosts, no podcast hosts. If you did a good job and just think about it, if they do a couple of introductions and then you get a couple more from that, you'll get your card filled really, really quickly on that. So it's not as intimidating as, as you would make, as you would think. Uh, but just make sure that you follow a system, a process, because ultimately the goal is not just getting on another podcast. It's getting results from every podcast appearance. Right. Right. You know, the interesting part about, about getting on and being a guest, like you had mentioned something kind of in, in the last segment there about agreeing to promote right so like yes you get on a somebody's podcast but you're sort of agreeing to promote that podcast what does that entail what does that side look like because i know some of our audience might have like cringed a little and they're like oh i have to promote that like what what does that mean i'm not an influencer i'm not a social media person like how do i do that michael i'm going to take that back one step from there okay on what it means to be a great guest. And notice I didn't say podcast, right? Just think about it. What do you have to do to be a great guest, right? So you want to, you think if if you invited me over over for dinner, right? You were going to introduce me to, to all your friends. Well, I would definitely show up on time. Right. I would show up prepared. I would talk to you beforehand, right? To find out, is this, is this black tie? Is this a barbecue, right? Where am I, where am I showing up here? When I got there, I'd be a gracious guest. So I I would touch up, reach out a day before and say, Hey, I'm looking forward to this, right? So you're not worried. Hey, is he going to come or not? You know, I would be there on time, right? And we tell our clients, you know, there's early, late and rude. So, <laughs> If you're there in the room, you know, for the, the meeting, uh, you know, uh, 10 minutes, that's early. If you're there five minutes early, that's on time. If you're there a minute after that's just being rude. So be a great guest. Then afterwards, thank, thank the host, right? So if somebody invites you over to their house, you thank them afterwards. Maybe you send them a note, maybe you send them a gift, right? It's part of being a gracious guest. It's the same thing as the podcast interview. So when it goes live, how could you thank them? Well, you could thank that by sharing it with your network. Now, it doesn't mean you've got a huge, huge network. and That could be making your own social media and putting out there. It could be just, hey, when Michael posts something and he says, hey, your interview just came out. Thank you so much. Repost it, retweet it, comment on it right? Um, I'm always amazed by people that ghost the host (laughs) after the interview, right? It's like, if you thought it was so important to get in front of her audience, 
to, to tell your story, once that story goes live, wouldn't you want to get in front of that audience again? And, you know, so people have questions or make comments on, on the post post, why wouldn't you engage with that? So right. it's really not so much about, Hey, you've got to get this machine to pump out all of these things, but just think about being a great guest. And, you know, Michael, I'll tell you from nine years of experience, mm -hmm. those people that do that, they get a reputation and they get invited back and back. Uh, mm -hmm. The flip side, there's other people that don't. We had a brand that came to us and they had worked with another agency on a previous product launch and they wanted to work with us uh, on the second one. And they came to us and one of the things we do is we want to make sure that we can get every client amazing results. So we started to reach out to a few of the hosts we know that they had been on before. And we said, hey, uh, what was your experience like with them before? And they're like, oh, we would never have them back. They were <laughs> on the interview and then they totally ghosted us afterwards. Now, this company, this brand had totally polluted the entire podcast guesting channel. By, wow. their ac by their actions there. And we had to tell them that, no, I don't, I don't think this will work for you because you've got a bad reputation out there already. Right. Right. Wow. That's incredible. I, I mean, it's, it's so important, I think, to be able to do that and to do it well and, and show up. Like, I love your perspective on it in terms of being a gracious guest, like going over to a dinner party. I think that is, huge and and just remembering it's yes it's a a tech element and yes we're using all this cool new fangled technology but it's it's just like going over and having a dinner party with with a new person and a new audience and and being able to treat it that way it's just such a great vision and a great view on on what this is all about uh you know i've had my fair share of of really incredible guests. And we've had a few that we just literally decided not to publish because it was, it was not a great experience. And we ultimately as the host, we get to decide, I don't have to post your, your, uh, your interview. So I don't think it's over just because you got the booking. It's, it's not over, you know, until it's over. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I think that's a really big deal. Uh, Talk to me a little bit more about what it would be like for one of our guests that's out there thinking, gosh, you know, I really want to do this. Like, do they have to have a podcast to come and work with you already or should, or can they come to you, you know, green and from scratch? When is it best for them to show up and what's it like to work with you? The vast majority of our clients don't have a podcast, right? Wow. Sometimes they'll, they'll start guesting and six months later, they start their own podcast because they enjoy it so much. Right. But our clients come to us because they know they could help the world. They feel right. like the best kept secret, right? If people only knew about them, they could help thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And they're frustrated because, you know, everybody's telling them, oh, just break through the noise here, you know, um, and they're not break. They're not breaking through the noise. They're just adding to it. Right. Or, you know, people are just saying, oh, you're one funnel away. Come <laughs> on. Let's be honest. That's a great marketing thing, but nothing good in my life has ever come through a funnel, right? <laughs> it, it comes from conversation. So right. most of our clients come to us a little bit frustrated, a little bit jaded from all of this digital marketing. And we talk with them first and say, well, 
What are your goals? Because the goal is not getting on a podcast. That's the means to the goal. Right. right? Who do you want to talk to? Right. Um, You've got to make sure that you know who your ideal customer is, right? The people that say, I want to talk to everyone. Not everyone wants to hear you. So we go through that process and really do the discovery of would this work for you? Right. And would we be a good partner? We typically work in three verticals, business, health, nutrition, and wellness, and faith and spirituality of that, you know, business is probably 80% of it. Right. And then we'll put together a roadmap and we'll say, this is how we see a campaign working for you, you know, and whether or not you work with us or not, I think it'll bring a lot of value. Right. And I believe in life, there's two answers, right? There's heck yes and no. So we get the information so people can say, heck yes, I want to do this or no, it doesn't work for me. And right. either one of those is fine. And then with that going forward, it's really, um, you know, relationships are the ultimate currency, you know, and one of our values is in this digital age of automation, it's the personal touch that makes the difference. So do we have systems and processes and, you know, everything's on a dashboard for you and we've got the numbers and the metrics, but you've also got one person that's a a client account manager. So for you being a client, you've got one person that's your champion, your advocate, your, your single point there. Um, And on the podcasting side too, right? There's one person at the company that every podcaster works with because we want those relationships. And so we'll go through, get everything set up. Then we start reaching out to podcast hosts. We do a practice interview with everyone. So they're comfortable with it. Um, Then, you know, we debrief or we brief you on every podcast beforehand, right? So you go onto your dashboard and we'll tell you what the podcast is about, the host, all their social media links. And then we get feedback from the host and the guest afterwards because we're always optimizing, right? We always want to get better. We want our guests to get better because ultimately at the end of the day, right? This is marketing. If it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Absolutely. I love that. Well, for goodness sakes, we could probably go on and on talking about this. I I am clearly a fan of, of the podcast world and of doing this, um, and I think you guys are doing an incredible job. You're doing a great thing and a great service for the podcasting industry. And I appreciate you so much. And I hope our listeners go and, and look you up. What's a what's a great way for them to find you? I know you put earlier, they can go check out that uh, book at that site, interviewvalet.com slash BC for business choreography. Yep. But is there another place they can connect with you? Let's make it easy. And one of the things we've done with all of our testing over the last nine years is send people one place, right? I know if you're listening to this, 70% of you have it sped up, right? And you're multitasking. (laughs) So you don't say, oh, I'm here on Twitter and here's on LinkedIn and here's my phone number. No, give them one place. So if you go to interview valet with a V.com forward slash BC, um, I'll put a few things there. The first one is there's a, a quiz, right? 10 question assessment. Will podcast interview work for me? Um, I'll put a free copy of my book there, right? If you live in the U S I'll mail you a copy. If you're outside the U S I'll email you a copy. Uh, and then finally, if you want to talk with us and say, how could I use podcast interview marketing? If you'd like to go through that discovery call and everything, be happy to, there's no obligation there. We'll put all of that and plus my, all my social media, if you want to get in touch with me, 
back at interview valet with a v.com forward slash BC for business choreography. That's perfect. I love it. Thank you so much for doing that for us. I appreciate it so much. And I know our listeners will as well. I am so honored and privileged to have you as a guest today. Uh, it's been fun watching from behind the scenes and being able to participate with Interview Valet uh, before I even got to know you. But uh, look forward to a long relationship moving forward. And all of you guys out there, go check out that page and we will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.